welcome to the Forge Leadership Podcast. In this series, Simon Barrington and Johnny Abbott are joined each week by emerging leaders from the millennial generation. Today, our guest is Naomi Partridge. Naomi is an experienced leadership development professional and is a social entrepreneur, a pioneer and enabler of social purpose organizations. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Forge Millennial Leadership Podcast. My name is Johnny. Uh, I'm the uh, co-host here with Simon Barrington. Hey, Simon. Hi. Good morning, Johnny. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well. Very well, indeed. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah, a point of recording. This is the first podcast of 2019. So hey. fresh start, so we thought we'd get someone particularly good on. Uh, so we Naomi Partridge. Good morning, Naomi. Good morning. Happy New Year, 2019. Happy New Year as well. <laughs> Any New Year's resolutions? Um, how so many, so many. I need to, I need to cut them down. Um, main one being um, actually taking up weights. Um, oh really? Yeah, I know. Wow. I'm, a, you know. So if I get really bulky, then I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll you know. But um, yeah, I've, I've read over Christmas. It's the way forward. So yes, that's my New Year's resolution. <laughs> you're taking up weights i'm putting on weight <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's my response to the uh the new the uh, christmas indulgence uh, went a bit far this year <laughs> good work hey naomi it's what's interesting is is that throughout all these podcasts when uh leaders come on there's normally one or two big things within their lives that we can really easily focus on uh looking at some of your background and where you've come from in your journey it's so hard to know what to, uh, where to start with because there is so much going on. Um, yeah, tell um, me about it. Amazing <laughs> in terms of uh, where you've been, what you've done. Uh, and so to start off with, the broadest question I could possibly ask is tell me about your life. Um, where did your leadership journey begin? Uh, and uh, give us a, a short, uh, yeah, give, a, give us a short insight to your journey. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I always had a real interest in people and helping people find their potential uh, from quite a young age. I think I used to set up little care clubs and groups of uh, of kids that could kind of connect and find who they were. So um, when I uh, kind of went to university, I did psychology and then from there decided to to move into HR. So I joined a graduate scheme with a huge foods company that had uh, amazing values and uh, kind of did a three-year journey through lots of different um, departments supporting them as a, as a HR professional um, and then from there started to find my real love which was about people development and as soon as I got into that space it just felt like this is is absolutely what I'm meant to be doing you know it's kind of the, the sweet spot and I am um, and I managed to kind of grow my career from there really continuing to do work within that that organization supporting their their UK business and then um, the European and global business with learning development and design. Um, but as I was doing it, I was kind of realizing that there was part of me that wasn't being as I wanted to be in the workplace. Um, I could see I was getting a bit competitive. I could see that I was getting a bit insecure um, and I was becoming too focused because my identity was far too much around what I did. Um, mm. rather than um, who I was. And, um, and I really had felt a call in my, in my heart, actually, from, from God. I'm a Christian, and I had a real sense that I was meant to just give him a year, just give him time. 
Mm. Um, so I went over to uh, the States. I did a, a, a school at Bethel Church in Northern California um, mm. that completely disrupted me utterly. Uh, <laughs> sometimes in a slightly painful way, but I think that's how it's designed for you to kind of really learn who are you really when no one really you know no one really cares what you do as a job what your career is all the things I place so much identity in just mm. wasn't relevant and it was all about what does the father say you are and, and what's your true identity and who are you and it was from that place that I think I came almost back to myself I came back to um, my identity and I think that was the fuel for them what happened the next um, few years which was sent a, a movement I guess away just from the corporate space although I absolutely love the corporate space, um, but into into other kinds of work. Naomi, that's fascinating. That um, how old were you when 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 you went to do Bethel? If you don't mind me asking. <laughs> so I was uh, twenty nine. I turned thirty wow. right wow. on the graduation day, which is quite interesting wow. timing when you think wow. about that was what the age Jesus was as he went into yeah. ministry. So um, so yeah, no, I'd... That's, that's interesting because I, I went through a similar transition, but I was like. A decade later than you in in, <laughs> in 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 doing that transition of leading out of you know my skill base and my capacities and competencies to, mm. to leading out of identity what 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 difference does that make for you in a practical way in terms of learning to lead out of who yeah. you are what what what, what, what were the real things that happen for you I think well, one of the thing, first things was I actually just felt a lot of repentance for how I had been. And I actually, whilst over at Bethel, I contacted my old team and I apologised um, for how I'd been. Um, I'd been so focused on the it, on the goals, on high performance that I'd sort of, on the way, had lost some of the heart. And, mm. and so I think that place of repentance and actually saying, God, I, I need you to help me to do this differently um and I think it started to become rather than from living um for the the what I'm achieving um but actually starting to think more about how I do it and Mm -hmm. how am I impacting people around me and I'm not saying get it perfect it's it's still something I walk with every day how can Mm -hmm. I be be someone who is more encouraging who brings others Mm -hmm. with them who creates a culture around us where it's not just about what the delivery is but it's actually about how people feel in the midst of that um, and I think it's helped me to see bigger possibilities. Like when you actually look through God's lens, I think things that you would have thought were impossible suddenly seem possible with him. And mm. and so mm. it actually broadened my horizon um, far more. And and it's kind of ironic, you know, a lot of people will say stepping off that career path at a kind of critical point, you know, when you're sort of just really getting into it, would that really pull you back? But actually it opened up my my world. Um, and I became a lot more kind of confident in what he called me to do, to know and to ask questions more of, is this really for me to do or is this for someone else? Is this where I'm meant to invest my time or not? Um, so it made me definitely more discerning, I think. And So, so you had this this amazing experience in this church out in California yes. that changed yeah. your view of how you operate, how you work, who you are where you lead from, uh, yeah. how you listen to the father's voice. Yeah. Coming back from California, what happened then and what looked significantly different from yeah. what life was like before? Yeah. So um, so whilst I was over there, I think in the midst of uh, really having everything kind of 
pulled back and being very much because okay my identity is just who you say I am God it was from that space that I felt quite a call to look more broadly than people in in businesses in terms of development but actually um, notice some of the social justice issues and how I could apply my learning and development skills to that and I started to get very passionate about um, modern day slavery I felt a particular kind of call into that but had no experience in that I just felt this is something I'm meant to be doing in some way I have a part to play um, so when I came back I, I, I knew that I would end up going into the charity sector in some way I knew it would be in the anti-slavery area but had absolutely no idea how um, so I did you know any logical stuff I thought well okay if I'm going to go into the charitable sector I'll move to London um, because that seems to be where a lot of the the charity work is going on, particularly anti-slavery work. And um, and then um, when I was back, I thought, well, it'd be another kind of two or three or maybe four or five years until I'll end up doing that. So I just cracked on back in my original business in a, in a new learning development role. And then um, just it became very clear very quickly that my my heart was in to do something different and um, that it, it was time for me to, to move on. So I did just another year um, at the, the company I'd been at before. And in during that time, they were phenomenal. They, they saw within me, I think, the purpose and this sense of passion that I carried. And they, they were very flexible. They gave me a month to go over to Cambodia and Thailand, where I worked with uh, girls who'd been sexually exploited through trafficking. Um, they let me go part-time for three months to explore what I wanted to do. So there's something about kind of, leaders of millennials almost releasing them into their purpose it's a very important part because mm-hmm. actually that kept me very loyal to that organization and also yeah. led me to do more work with them in the future in different ways um so um so i i went over to cambodia thailand saw when i was there a model for reintegration for survivors of trafficking one of the big issues for survivors of trafficking is that they are re-trafficked about 40 percent of them so um, and it, I looked and saw, okay, here's a way you can help people develop and grow careers and um, get free from the exploitation they've experienced. And I started to just dream um, with God and then invited some friends in to design a program that could work with survivors in the UK. Um, and I went with this program to meet with uh, a contact, a friend of a friend who they said, oh, you know, they'd, they'd like to meet with you. And I actually went thinking I'd go and say, hey, can I work with some of the women that you you know you're working with and they actually turned around and offered me a job to lead what was then quite a small charity um it, it was just two trustees and one volunteer um and I just thought wow this is crazy <laughs> I have no experience here <laughs> what's going on um but I thought you know what it just feels like this is just you know providence it was two weeks after I'd left my uh my kind of corporate job to take a leap of faith and there it was so I, I said yes and for three years I um led that charity part-time um and we worked with we developed the program we worked with over 100 women um in that time yeah. spreading across yeah. out of London um, and now that's led on to uh is that you, you now led on to your Holos is that right yeah yeah so um on my journey, I guess I've always loved business and always uh, been drawn to very purposeful businesses and felt that actually, if we're going to change the world, businesses have the opportunity to do it because of the resource, the power, the networks, the influence. And um, and so about a year into my leadership of the charity, I started to just think there must be a way to uh, do this differently. Um, I love the charity sector, but everyone can acknowledge there's a challenge of getting funding, making sure you're sustainable. 
And mm. I wanted to find a sustainable way to create funds, actually, not just for the charities involved in, but other charities, and also to provide jobs for survivors of trafficking. So, um, yeah, it must be, gosh, about two and a half years ago, we started dreaming up um, Holos, which is a natural drinks company. Um, again, that's something we really felt called into um, by God. And uh, essentially what we do is we uh, make a drink called kombucha, which is a chilled fermented tea, quite popular in California. In fact, Ooh. that's where I came across it. And um, okay. we basically, uh, our, our structure is that one in four of our founder shares is set aside for a, a fund supporting charities um, in the anti-slavery space and one in four of our jobs will go to survivors of trafficking. So we're quite new. Uh, we're nearly a year sort of officially formed, I guess. And uh, we've okay. recently taken on some social impact investment, but we're in about, at the moment, about nine different cafes, bars, restaurants, and about to have a big year. Now we're in a, a, a new facility and manufacturing space. So yeah, it's very Brilliant. exciting, very exciting journey. Brilliant. So I know that you uh, initially started your journey out in Cadbury's and now you've managed to find your way to healthy drinks. I know, um, it's kind of ironic. Yeah, yeah I've gone from, from the sugar yeah, to, to, to nil sugar gut to health. Yeah. <laughs> but it's something I've always loved the food industry. I, I think it's awesome. The people in the food industry are awesome. There's something about the pace and the energy. Um, and uh, sometimes we think we're a bit mad for doing this, to be honest. But um but that, you know, that's the point, isn't it? What's life for apart from to make a few mad choices and just see what can happen, <laughs> <laughs> you know, give it a go. So that's us. Brilliant. And so that, a huge journey there and obviously real key moments uh, you spoke about there in, in California and also uh, out in Cambodia and mm. uh, other moments as well. Uh, on home turf, what were the key moments for you in terms of how you developed as a leader? Um, I would say it's, it's been through friendship, actually. Um, one of the things that I've always tried to do is with any project or initiative is, is find who, the tribe who we're going to do this together with, um, who can challenge each other and keep each other to account. So for Holos, there's five of us as co-founders and we have very open uh, conversations. My husband and I are part of that team. So working together as a married couple and actually saying, how do we do, how do, we do business? in a kingdom way how do we do this in a loving way how do we do this in a commercially savvy way and um, that's really grown me I think being part of a, of a church that's really <clears throat> championed me championed my growth and development and um yeah stood by me I think through through harder times as well has been has been really important too and Naomi talk to us about some of those harder times because you know you don't get to do what you've done in in a relatively short time without facing up to some dark and difficult yeah. times or have been those moments yeah. that have shaped you as well I think um some of the biggest times have been taking um leaps of faith when I first left my uh corporate job I, I literally resigned with with nothing to go to which you just don't do um <laughs> you know when you live in London and and you're in that situation and I, and um actually having friendships around me that supported me and a real sense of conviction that I almost had to do this this was for me to do um, and and then I had another period of that where I then moved. Um, I was in another consulting role, and I again uh, resigned from that, moving to completely freelance consulting work, which supported me um, in in being able to do the charity. Um, and then again, we took a huge leap with my uh, husband as well. So he's now full time on our on our Holos business. So again, that was another mm. leap of faith, saying this is going to be okay. Mm. And. I think one of the other challenges for me is, and I think anyone who has a sense of drive and ambition, 
you know, the dark side or the shadow of that is sometimes the bad, you don't put the boundaries up enough and um, you can end up striving, you can end up risking burnout. And I've definitely been close to the edge a few times over the last few years where I've just given probably a little bit too much actually. And haven't had haven't drawn the line to say no this this is not for me to do so there's been some big mm. learnings um over the last few mm. years and and things that have left me really reflecting actually to think okay how do I do this differently in the future mm. um what does it look like to to allow enough responsibility to run your shoulders but not too much if that makes sense mm. and to trust and have you got have you got one tip that you've learned that uh people listening might uh be interested in uh, in in terms of something that's helped you in mm. terms of setting boundaries in yeah. that way yeah i think um if it's possible having a set space in your house or in your life where you do work and a space where you don't I think one of my big issues okay. is everything merged yeah. together and I know in the research that you've done Simon um it was like 34 mm. percent uh were not feeling very happy about their work-life balance and I can see why that yeah. is particularly with more freelancing going on so that's important I think um okay. having a kind of daily question of, of really what's my part to play here um what's for me to do what's for me not to do um and mm. having leaders around you I mean I've been very thankful for the communities I've worked with as I've done certain leadership development uh, programs who have challenged me. And so having people that will mm -hmm. challenge you and, and, and observe. Mm -hmm. So there's one lady I've worked with over the last three years and she's, I see her every kind of three or four months and she always has an insight as to how she's experiencing me and what that might be saying, <laughs> you know, and in terms of am I more stressed, am I more anxious or am I quite peaceful yeah. and that tells yeah. the people around you who perhaps you don't see all the time who can just play back you know it seems like something going on here it's just really mm. the balance that you want mm. now there does seem to be a, a greater sense within uh, your generation your age group that um of this this seeking of, of meaning of mm -hmm. purpose and the willingness to change careers change jobs until you actually find it yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. and set, settle on it why do you think that is as you observe uh, your peers around you what, what 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 do you see happening and what difference is that going to make mm -hmm. as well I think I think there's a number of things going on um I think part of it is that this generation has grown up in an incredibly kind of uh, sort of stressful time, I guess. There's a lot of turbulence that's gone on. I guess this generation has grown up through the, the age of the internet, the age of yeah. technology. Um, yeah. I think there was someone describes generation as the iPod generation, insecure, pressured, overworked, depressed, you know. This is <laughs> you know? Um, but this sense of like, oh my gosh, like, you know, we can work as hard as we want and yet we may still not see the success our parents saw because of the economy, uh, because yeah. of the way that, that things have played out. And uh, throw mm -hmm. into the mix there, you've got social media, where that breeds a lot of comparison and breeds a lot of insecurity. Um, and, and this sense of actually, I think the way that we were, many millennials have brought up is this sense of we're special and there's something special we can bring to the world. And that's the way parenting had, mm -hmm. had evolved at the time of mm -hmm. us being raised. And I think all those kind of factors have definitely played in uh, a role as to why people are saying actually it can't just be about my performance it can't just be about mm. the material success here there has to be more to life 
Um, mm. It has to be more that I can bring. And I wonder if it's almost a, a bit of the, the illusion of what material wealth can bring is sort of pulled to the side a bit because so, so few people believe it's possible to even gain it. Um, and when they do gain it and not finding meaning in it. So I think there's something about the, the background here, the, the turbulence with which millennials have grown up with. Um, mm. And I think there's a, a desire for more. And, and I think we're seeing that um, across all generations, actually saying there's more, there's more to life here. You know, the, the deep, the interest in spiritual practices, in things like yoga and well-being and mindfulness. We were saying life has got so hectic, there's got to be more. So I think that's playing a role. And, yeah. you know, the, the sense that actually purpose and this, this idea that there is something that's unique to us that we can bring is quite an attractive idea and very fulfilling idea. Um, there's a now, now you, you've, you've sought to work that out yourself in, in both a, um, a charity context oh. as a CEO of a human trafficking charity and, oh. and in setting up your own social enterprise oh. now as well, where, you know, a quarter of your, your shares and a quarter of your staff, et cetera, are devoted to that. Um, do you think that's the way forward or is there a bigger task to do to redeem, if you like, uh, bigger organisations yeah. uh, and help them find their sense of real purpose that is wider than um, uh, capitalist uh, <laughs> um, uh, growth um, agenda? Uh, where do you see that? going as millennials step into bigger and bigger leadership roles absolutely in fact that is what excites me the most is big businesses um finding their purpose i think a lot of big businesses started off with a really amazing purpose um i mean guinness i think they started off because at the time people were either drinking dirty water or gin and were kind of suffering <laughs> so they said let's create a a safe drink <laughs> and that's where the Guinness okay. beer came from. Um, and, and so a lot of a lot of organizations, you know, the entrepreneurial kind of businesses that are now huge started off in, in that place. And I think I think that's where the world can really change. And I do think organizations are taking it seriously, whether through the drive of um, employees and particularly leaders who are enlightened and pushing for that or due to legislation as well, I think policy is having a big impact on businesses taking more responsibility and that's what we've seen a lot with sustainability goals over the last few years um but I think I I absolutely believe you know for me it's it's been very interesting working across different sectors because I do a bit of consulting work with corporates as well and when I describe the different things I've done in my career people always think the most virtuous is the charity and I actually really disagree I think you can have a phenomenal worldwide impact social impact that can often exceed what a charity can achieve through a business yeah. and, uh, and I yeah. think you know I love that I know you're a fan of this as well um uh, Simon, the Simon Sinek you know why how what that actually mm. um finding your why you know as an individual as an organization and then how you do that and what you do can look very different so a business at its core can have a why of you know transforming the world through uh, greater environmental sustainability practices and a charity can too as long as they're connected to the why the how the demonstration of that might look different um so i i i'm very excited to see large organizations really stepping into their their sense of or stepping back actually to their sense of purpose um and moving away from just commercial goals and do you have any examples of that actually happening, the kinds of things that are happening? Yeah, I think um, 
So I know there's been huge amounts of work actually from a lot of, I mean, the food industry is where I'm probably most familiar, uh, taking responsibility, for example, uh, across the supply chains. Um, so what are, what's happening? Where where are we buying our products from? How are we supporting the local communities in those areas to to build a safe and, and happy community and, and um, sustainable practices that mean that they're not just going to get burnt through this process um, all the way through to consumer marketing, you know, so being more honest and transparent with how much mm. sugar in and changing recipes. So it is possible to, for example, eat lower levels of sugar or to be more intelligent and savvy about the kind of food choices you're making. Um, so I said uh, that is an example in the food industry. Um, but there are, um, there's one uh, guy that I know who recently was appointed as the um, chief purpose office officer, the CPO okay. <laughs> okay. of Tate and Lyle. So it's it's just fascinating. Wow. You know, there's a really exciting shift and um, can't wait to, to see how that plays out. I, I quite fancy a CPO job. Yeah, how cool is a CPO? Fun, yeah, you go around in Y all day. You, you also be... sound like a Star Wars exactly. character. <laughs> yeah, you do sound. It's got a Star Wars accent, which just makes it better. <laughs> yeah, it would be perfect. C one POs. Enough of the name jokes. <laughs> Hey Naomi, to uh, to top the podcast off, we we normally ask a signature question that uh, that everybody answers. Mm. Um, we'd love to get your insight on this as well. What would be your biggest excitements and your biggest fears about leading? Oh, so my biggest excitements, I think, is a, is a bit to what I've talked about, kind of the world changing possibilities of what you can do through leadership and the opportunity to influence. Um, individuals to influence nations even to you know there's huge possibility of leading and that that fear around that would be kind of when do you stop when do you when have you played your part and making sure you don't it doesn't become about you it actually Mm -hmm. stays about the purpose and and the cause and um and that you put those those boundaries in um so that you are realizing you're part of a bigger story here and how do you bring others together into that story so that you're doing it in community um I think one of the the big things I've learned is that sometimes I do give actually a bit too much and and it's really important to know where am I to give and where where is it for others to do and how do I support them rather than just taking it on myself um so I think that would be for me kind of it's like the possibility of actually, I think, I think we're in an amazing time. We're in an amazing time. There's so much out there for millennial leaders to, to go after and, and so much receptiveness and openness to that. But making sure we, we put those boundaries up to protect ourselves, our well-being, our health for the long run, you know, not just a short burn, for the, but for the long game, I think would be, mm. would be the fear that I carry around it. You spoke about burnout earlier as well. I'd be interested to to know what are the when would you know that's taking place? What would be the the warning signs for you uh, to know that you have to start changing things? I think for me, it's often about how am I using time, and yeah, am I am I valuing the things that are truly important to me? Um, so almost setting out at the beginning of the year month these are the priorities and then actually looking at does is that in any way reflected through my life um so one of the things i i've noticed is actually a priority for me is community and family and yet in the last year the thing that if you look to my life you think all your priorities work isn't it and um and and actually being brutally honest with yourself to say okay 
what what's really important am I making sure that's impacting my life and my attention um and I and I think probably just having you know for me it's knowing your your burnout signs everyone looks slightly different when they're at their best and not at their best um and recognizing when when I'm not at my best I actually notice my back tenses up and my breath is more shallow I get very kind of late, you know, very one track focus. And as soon as I'm in that space, I need to just say, wait, what's going on? And it's finding it for yourself. Other people might get more um, more apathy or they might get more tired, you know, but it's just finding what, what is it for me that's telling me I'm, I'm not on the right track here. And the second signature question we always ask is this, what's the, sorry, I'm going croaky. (coughs) Uh, What's the biggest tension that you find within your leadership? Oh, well, this is one of the things, one of the things I loved reading in, um, in Simon's research was about the need for approval. Oh, that always, it just, it Mm. really traps Mm. me and I have to work on that so often. Mm. Um, So Mm. it's like it said, 52% need for approval. Um, it has a negative impact on their leadership and I can really resonate with that that the deep fear of not being liked um, fear of conflict people pleasing um, and it's and it's really gets in the way I mean the overdone strength of desiring connection and and warmth but sometimes it can become quite paralyzing and um, and so for me that's always the tension of uh, when when do I do things or make decisions, even though I know they're not going to be popular because it's the right thing to do? And when do I do the things that are going to make people feel happy? <laughs> so, and that, that tension. And, um, and there's a brilliant book by Brené Brown called Dare to Lead. And a lot of that is focused around how do you have really challenging, courageous conversations and maintain connection with the other person? And sometimes I think just that doesn't even feel possible and uh sometimes I just play way too small because of that because I'm afraid of upsetting other people so um that for me is the tension I'm always trying to manage well Naomi thank you so much for sharing your uh story and uh, part of your story with us on the podcast today it's been an absolute joy Uh, if people want to go out and find out about Holos where where do they go for that they just go onto our onto our website holoslondon.com Fantastic. And I'm sure people want to find out about the incredible work you're doing there in that uh, social enterprise. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today and uh, sharing your journey and sharing some of your struggles. Um, And I know that'll be an inspiration to many other millennial leaders who are trying to find their purpose and work out their purpose in the way that God's called them to be. Mm. So uh, thanks, Naomi, and Happy New Year to you. And Happy New Year to you both. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. For more dedicated resources to equip emerging leaders, visit our new website, millennial-leader.com. And don't forget to catch up on the Forge Leadership podcast at forge-leadership-podcast.com. Hold up. 